Hey there, welcome to the Moving Up Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Wilson. I'm here to dish out practical advice to help you elevate your business and your life. I'm the CEO of the Wilson Group Real Estate Services here in Nashville, Tennessee. So you know we're going to be covering ground in the real estate industry. But you'll also be hearing from expert leaders in the personal development and entrepreneurship communities. So pull up a seat because we're about to have a lot of fun. It's time for you to move up. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Moving Up Podcast. We are already tickled today. Yes. <laughs> we even started. Um, our guest today is a new agent with the Wilson Group, but feels like you've been with us for 20 years. Because, I know. I love that. Yeah, I do too. And maybe it's because I've known you for, <laughs> I don't know, since he was a wee lad. Yeah. And um, we were just giggling here because when we put our headsets on, it does. It sounds like that Saturday Night Live skit with the yeah. um, NPR. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for joining <laughs> us today. Exactly. <laughs> so welcome, Edward O'Day. Well, thank you for You're having welcome. me. I'm honored to be here. We are honored yeah. to have you here. And Heather, I'm going to let you kick it off to talk about how this podcast came about, how, how our topic today came about. Sure. So we were just thinking about brainstorming topics for future episodes. And I looked at Christy and I said, you know what? We really need to talk about what it takes to have a career in real estate, right? Not just taking your two-week course, whether online or in person, but what does it really take after you've completing those courses, you've gotten your license, now what? What does that look like? So in talking about that, we, you know, together said, let's have Edward on. <laughs> he would be great to talk to. Yeah. So Edward, how long have you been with the Wilson Group? Or, or actually, just give us a little bit about yourself so people know who you are. And what so you are. I'm, a, I'm a native Nashvilleian. I had an arts management company in the music industry for about 12 or 13 years. I quickly in the pandemic had a moment in about May of 2020 where I jumped out of bed at four in the morning and woke up my wife and said, I'm done. I completely do not like what I've been doing for the past 12 years. And I needed a parachute button. And my wife was like, this is great. <laughs> what do you want to do? And I was like, I'm going to call Christy Wilson. <laughs> and I've always wanted to be in real estate and was very nervous about what that would look like. How do you go about doing it? I really had no idea what to do. And I called you and said, am I crazy? And I remember we had a really bad Zoom, or we were trying to FaceTime each other, and we the whole oh, that's conver- right, the whole golly. conversation yeah. was so comical. And um, that was so 2020 pandemic. Yeah, it yes. was so 2020. <laughs> but I just remember in that conversation, I just kind of asked you if I was crazy for leaving a career in my 40s in a company that I built, and then you said, "Not at all. You're going to be great." And then you also said something that's really just stuck with me forever, which is just do not let fear get in the way of moving forward. Like Mm. if you have this fear of the unknown, just park it somewhere else and just walk through this path. And and it has been an amazing path for me. So I got my license. I kind of quietly, without telling anybody other than you and my wife and Oliver, my son is 10, I in the summer took the two-week intensive classes online. And then I did the tests. I think three weeks later, because they were so backlogged because there's so many people switching mm-hmm. careers during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And then I think I started coming into the office in August of 2020 and officially got my license in the mail, I think in late September. Maybe. Yeah, that sounds about right. And I pretty quickly within 
I think by the end of October, I had actually a couple of properties under contract. I mean, things were very quick out of the gate, which was a pretty great learning experience just to dive headfirst in. But that, yeah, that was kind of how my journey started with getting into real estate. And that's amazing to be licensed for two months and already have properties under contract. I think the, the national stats are at least expect six months to six a months. year. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I want to brag on Edward a little bit too. He jumped in the business with no fear and you picked up the phone and started calling everybody you knew, everyone he had worked with in the music business. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, yeah. but what you did is what I try to get all new agents to do. And so many people have call reluctance about picking up the phone saying, mm-hmm. hey, I just want to give you... Well, uh, tell the listeners what you said to your folks that yeah, you I called. was pretty nervous because I didn't know... I had established all of these relationships in the music industry for 15 years, mm-hmm. and a lot of them were very close colleagues. And I didn't know if people would have... I had a couple things playing that, that made me fearful. It was, are people going to think that I'm jumping ship because of a pandemic and I mean, my company was falling apart and I just needed to make money? Mm-hmm. And and the irony was, so I woke up in May or whenever it was at four in the morning, but I had been in New York with an artist in February, had an artist on late night TV, like our company was doing great. And I quickly realized when I kind of packed all that fear up and put it to the side, when I started calling people, I realized that people trusted me. They were really empowered that I was brave to, you know, I, I got a lot of compliments of like, hey, we are so proud of you and you're doing something you love and this is really hard to do. And the feedback was really powerful. And then people just immediately started saying, well, hey, we have a property that was a rental we might want to sell. I had friends who were having new construction. And I found that it was just transferable. So instead of the fear of like, if I had never picked up the phone, mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't have gotten any of that business. But I quickly found that the people that trusted me before were going to trust me in this new relationship. And which is something you had said, like, this is for real. Like, I'm doing this because I'm passionate about it. And I've thought this through. And I think my story was compelling. And people were really like, hey, this is this is great. And the feedback I got from everybody is, oh, you're gonna, you'd be amazing at this. You're yeah. like, you, you know, I, I think I really like acts of service. And I think I'm driven by helping people. And I think they saw that when I was an artist manager. And I think that just was just very transferable. Well, you're just so likable. Mm-hmm. And you're easy to talk to. <laughs> yeah. and, I mean. and tell a good story and vulnerability and all yeah. of those things, you know, attract people. But the fact that you, I mean, I don't mean to beat a dead horse here, but nobody picks up the freaking phone. Like my dad made me pick up the phone. Uh-huh. You know, he's like, you got to call people. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, the fact that you did it and it paid off so fast yeah, for it was you. Instant. Yeah. yeah, it was instant. I mean, your journey was so not the norm because like Heather said, the stat is about six months and, and I watch it. I watch all the new agents cycle through and once they get that six months under their belt, you know, you're filling your pipeline a little bit more, but you jump started. Well, I th- and I think the takeaway too is anytime I feel like my business is slowing down, when I reach out to my sphere, when I reach out with not just a text message or an email, but I call someone and not even to talk about business, but just to kind of check in with friends, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden I pick up business from that. You know, it's like, it really, that, that kind of one-on-one interaction seems to be, you know, we're all looking for it, right? If it's in our jobs or if it's in family or friends. So I think anytime I, I panic, I kind of connect with people and then I really, you know, then business kind of just comes to fruition. Mm -hmm. That's right. Talk to us a little bit, what we were talking about before we went on the air about the barrier to entry in real estate. So that was fascinating. I think one of the things that I was 
unclear about before I got my license was, how do you get into real estate? Mm -hmm. And you know, you quickly kind of pointed me in the direction of a great school in Nashville. And it's, of course, a two week, you know, you take one intensive week, I think it was like nine to five every day. And then you take the second week, and then you can go take your exams. And it's still it, it was, you're jumping in. And I remember, I took both two weeks and Deanne and my son Oliver were like, you have like 300 note cards all over the house. And I had them in, <laughs> I had them in little baggies, you know, from like every subject. And I was determined that I was going to take this exam and be done with it. And lo and behold, I took the exam and then I got my license. And then it was like, well, what's next? Because that's the thing. In real estate school, you learn a lot of terms, mm-hmm. but you really don't learn about the path forward. And and I think it was you, you know, either you or Rusty or someone had said, you know, the barrier to entry to get into real estate, the bar is really low, but the bar is really high if you want to have a successful career. And I think that's where real estate is actually just like any other business, right? If you want to be an attorney and you want to grow your business, it is a long play. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And I quickly learned when I started coming into meetings that I really, I have good instincts. I understand the business from a book standpoint, but I was really green. And mm-hmm. and, and then looking around, especially at the Wilson Group, where it was you know 90% of seasoned agents. And I still look around and think, well, you know, I'm still a newbie. And here we have, you know, 80% agents who've been in the business for 20 years and they have, you know, so it's, I think that process is very, I'm still figuring that out, like how to, how to keep your pipeline growing. But there is the entry to get in is easy, but to really build a career is, is just like in any other business. It takes time and patience and, and a lot of just continual learning. Yeah. yeah. And one thing that I know gets frustrating for all agents is that there's so much filling the pipeline and doing so much other work other than showing property yeah. and writing offers. And you don't get paid for that until you close something. So you're plugging away, you know, 50, 60, 70 hours a week sometimes mm-hmm. without a, a payday in sight. Yeah. And, you know, it like I, I've been doing it forever. And so people were going, oh, it must be nice. You you can sell something so quickly. I'm like, it's taken me 27 years to get here. (laughs) You know, it's like, just because we can do something efficiently is because of all those years of what you're saying of service and of consistency. Like Heather Mm -hmm. and I have a, we have our topic of consistency Mm -hmm. is key on one of our podcasts. You just have to keep plugging away every day. And I, I think a lot of new agents can get in the business just thinking it's going to be instant success and their mindset. And Edward, I'm glad you brought this up because They don't know what is the what next. And it just takes a lot of work. And just because you have a huge sphere of influence in middle Tennessee right now, most people know about 10 agents. Oh yeah. So the fact that you get your license and you're like, woohoo, I've got my license. You're going to sell your house. Well, number one, no one's selling right now. So that makes it tough. And number two, when you do have a buyer, it's a challenge to help them to understand what's going on in the market Mm -hmm. or to win the, the offer. I think I had an advantage coming from an independent, I mean, I co-owned an artist management company. So in a lot of ways, we were our own boss and our success was predicated on our output. And I think what I love about real estate is my success is predicated on my own output, right? Right. No one, no one's guaranteeing me business. And I kind of love that, that entrepreneurial spirit of like, if I'm going to, sink or swim, that's on me. Mm-hmm. And I really, you know, and, and there's days where I give myself grace and I'm like, I'm going to spend time with my son. It's slow right now. And I've come to really 
enjoy the downtime because it's going to get busy, you know? And I think so that, that kind of entrepreneurial spirit of like thinking ahead, Chrissy, you told me early on, I think you joked that in August, you feel like your business is, you know, yeah, every year. Oh my God, I've got to, yeah, no. I've got to get out of the business. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> what happened? But I think that that, I think when you come in, especially as a new, as a new agent, it really, it's on your own motivation to really yeah. create your path and, and to use mentors, but to really think about this isn't, you know, you're your own operator. Like this is, it's not like you go into a meeting and you have a manager and you have mm-hmm. this corporation and, and this, you know, it's like you're, you're kind of carving out your own lane, which I think agents that are successful, that, that challenge is really exciting, right? It's and navigating the up, the ups and downs can be really kind of, you know, thrilling in a way with those kind of victories and Right. And um, we just had a guest enter the studio right now. <laughs> we have Xander, yeah. my god dog. That is, and he's so sweet, and he's not putting on a, a set of headsets, but he could, and he could talk to everybody, too. He's That's looking right. for a 3-2 in Davidson County. <laughs> <laughs> Under 500,000. Yeah. Ain't happening. Yeah. Ain't happening. You're just getting, for a pull. That's right. Yeah. He's like, you know, actually, just a sofa and a little bit of TV yeah. and some peanut butter snacks will be just fine with me. Yeah. But I was having... Easter brunch yesterday with some friends of mine, and I talked to this woman's niece, who she's about a year out of college now and just in in the workforce, and she was thinking that she would enjoy real estate. And about two months ago, I would given her the lowdown on what it takes and, and how much it costs to get started and everything. And to a 22-year-old, she was like, oh my God, that's so expensive. And it's not to someone like you yeah. who's been in the business for a while. So, so much of it, too, is perspective mm-hmm. of where you're coming from in life as you get started. And then helping someone understand how much work. So someone who's been self-employed before, right. I think, has a different appreciation of how much you do have to... It, the mindset's there. The mindset. Thanks, Heather. Yeah. He walked in with a mindset that some folks may not get right. until year two right. or year three. And I think what gets lost, too, is that the, kind of the brevity of the job. Like it, People just assume, and people on the outside who look at Zillow all day and they have their own careers... Like being a real estate agent, it's the biggest transaction or investment that someone makes when they buy a home, right? And I think people think that it's the job is maybe a bit lighter than it really is, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it is a lot. I mean, you like you said, you can spin your wheels. It's a lot of paperwork. Understanding kind of the, the legal side, the contractual side, I feel like you know, it's, it's as serious as any other job out there. And it's a huge transaction. You know, some, when someone is buying a, you know, their first home or a 2.5, you know, that it's to both clients, it's the same transaction. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and and the brevity of it is is not, I think on a good agent, it, that's never lost on them, right? Sure. What has been the most frustrating thing for you in your, in your first year? Because you're now in year two. Yep. I'm in year two. I think giving myself grace through the peaks and valleys. Mm. You know, I think that... At first, when I would slow down, I would panic mm-hmm. and Can think. So relate. Yeah, I would think that you know that no one likes me, no one trusts me, and then I'm like, wait a second, you know, I, I'll and, never and, sell another house. Yeah, I'll never sell another house. Um, I've said all these things. You I know, know it. I have to. Yeah, and I, you know, my wife and I have a lot of pillow talk, and she's so supportive. But I think it's also been great, you know, when her and I talk through those scenarios. I'm like, you do have a lot of constant conversations with yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm good enough. You know, I, I, smart I, I'm enough. smart enough. Gosh, oh my darn gosh. it. This is a sorry <laughs> night live. Like yeah. <laughs> sorry, I had to. <laughs> but I think that you have to, you know, again, 
the thrill of it for me and kind of finding, you know, your path and loving what you do is that I love that this is on me and I create my own kind of destiny here. But that does involve a lot of internal dialogue. Mm -hmm. And sometimes where you're feeling low or you're feeling like your business has disappeared, going back and reading your testimonials and realizing that, wait, I'm making an impact and bringing some of the positive stuff back into the conversations. Because it's so easy to kind of think about the negatives or, or, you know, to go to the what ifs. So I think learning to navigate the peaks and valleys. And then I think that would be from like an internal place. But then I think as, as a business learning to really curate your own pipeline. So when I have a day where I'm like, oh my gosh, I have no business. And then I log into the, to the management system I use, I'm like, wait, I've got 10 people in my pipeline. Mm -hmm. Right. And I've got, you know, some are warm, some are hot, some are thinking about it. It's like, I've got all types of business. And then I can kind of focus on that and get some positive kind of gratification and then keep pushing forward. But I think it's just navigating peaks and valleys. Yeah. And a positive mindset is so critical Huge. in real estate. Well, in anything, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and just feeding your brain with the right things that you read, the right quotes and motivational things that you do, and you know, a supportive spouse is is always helpful. A and support dog, a support dog, <laughs> or cats. <laughs> or cats. Yes. Yeah, and you have both, right? Yeah, we have both, <laughs> yes. and you're doing an addition on your house. Yeah, we have yeah. lots of support animals. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's I think that's so important, and I and I do think. Also, like, so I came from the music industry where there's always disruption or everything's always changing. And also in real estate, because everybody has Zillow and Redfin, they're always watching the market and telling, you know, they're like Monday morning market readers. But it's like realizing that like every industry has disruption mm-hmm. and, and you just kind of keep yourself aware, but you also just keep moving forward mm-hmm. and not getting caught up on some of the... Noise. Yeah, Yeah, the noise. It's It's just noise. It's noisy everywhere. It's noisy in every industry, and you do. You have to stay focused on what, A, focus on your strengths for sure, and B, what can I do to be getting the business and sustaining my business? Mm -hmm. Because it's easy to buy into the fear of real estate's becoming a tech industry and not a emotional shelter industry. And yeah, there's a lot of tech out there that's a tool to help us be better in our industry and in our businesses. But at the end of the day, that buyer wants to love that home, mm-hmm. you know. So in the music industry, when tech started becoming increasingly more involved with, with labels, they'd have a new media person. And it was like, and then if you were a management company and you didn't have a new media person, you know, artists would be like, oh, we're, we're going to go with this company because they have a new media person. And, you know, now five, 10 years later, that new media person was really serve no purpose. <laughs> you know, I mean, tech in any industry can be helpful, but you have to utilize the tech, but it's not creating the relationships, right? It's like you have to be, I think to be, you know, smart in any company, you use the resources that are there and then you put them in your backpack and it's just, you're, you've got more at your fingertips, but it's still on you to create those relationships. Bingo. Yeah. And this is a relationship business. It and is. I think where I see a lot of the newer agents and not just in the past two years, but in general, they come in thinking it's a very transactional business and that they're in it for the transaction, the transaction, the transaction. But if you aren't sustaining that relationship, you know, you just, you're never going to get ahead. I quickly realized that I didn't want a transactional business because I I could see, and especially being surrounded by so many agents that have been in the business for an extended period of time, that if I'm doing transactional only, I'm going to burn out because Mm -hmm. and I, and I want that relationship that spawns, more referrals mm-hmm. and that. I, and I also want to have that connection with clients to where it's meaningful. Like I've got a closing this week with clients that came from New York, 
last year. Yeah. I've shown them 60 houses. I put them in a rental because they'd never been in Nashville and they were starting new jobs and they had young kids and I knew where they wanted to be for schools. And it feels really rewarding that after a long journey, they are closing on their first home in Nashville and they are so excited. Yay. Yeah, Yay. that's I've, great. I've watched that journey with you. <laughs> Plus, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, and it's hard. People come to Nashville thinking they can find a home and there's just... It's so hard to find one. And for someone who started looking a year ago and things are 25% more expensive right now than they were this time last year and only going up from there as well. For sure. So it's frustrating. It's disappointing Mm -hmm. to that buyer. But someone like you and you too, Heather, you know, just keeping them up and positive and optimistic and hopeful not and not unrealistic, but just y'all keep after it. We can yeah. do this. I was thinking about that relationship in particular as I'm coming up to close. And I thought they could have left me at some point. They mm-hmm. could have thought mm-hmm. that I wasn't doing it. Like what kept this relationship so strong to the finish line? And I realized it was communication. Mm-hmm. It was positive communication. You know, it was making sure that they felt like when we were making offers, that they felt comfortable with the offers we were making, even if we didn't get the house. It was listening to them. You know, this whole bucket really of things that kind of, kept it on the train to where now here we are 10 months later, 12 months later, and they're really excited. Yeah. And they're not looking back and going, oh, we don't like this house or we lost that on. They feel excited about where we are in the journey, which I think is really neat. What is your favorite thing now that you've been in it going on two years or a year and a half? I think that every day is different. I mean, there's monotony in any job, right? But I think that every day I'm either talking to new clients, I'm meeting new people, you know, I'm constantly being challenged in, in different scenarios. And I like that it's just not rinse and repeat. And and I think you can have these wins, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's exciting, right? It's a mindset, but I love the relationship side of it. And I love like, like this week, taking a client to close who's buying their first home in a new state. And I've become good friends with the family and their kids. And I think it's just very rewarding in that way. Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm Harry Allen, co-founder and chief relationship officer of Studio Bank. Studio Bank is passionate about what our members create, and we're here to support you through the process. We provide capital and services to build businesses. We offer mortgage and home loan options, whether you're a first-time home buyer or purchasing your fifth home. We work with artists to reach their audiences. We help nonprofits transform our community. And often, the most important work we do is simply empowering individuals to pursue their dreams. We're here because what you create matters. Let's create something together. Visit studiobank.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, NMLS number 1761767. Can I mention something that we talked about before we started? Yeah. So we'll back up to the education piece. Okay. So Edward entered in with an amazing mindset of being a realtor and how to be successful with that. But one thing that was I was surprised with was when I finished my two-week course and I started real estate, I'd never seen a contract. Mm-hmm. The repair proposal, what mm-hmm. in the world is that and how do I word all of those things? I think that's something people don't realize. Why is it you're not taught, I mm-hmm. guess, those things in your real estate classes? So... The real estate classes is, it's a national exam. That exam is taken all over the country. So everything they're teaching you is the generic 
real estate terminology and all that. Then you have that 30-day course. Mm-hmm. Oh, and plus state law. So state law, of course, is specific to whichever state you're taking, getting licensed in. You have that extra 30-hour course that goes on top of your two-week course, which is supposed to teach contracts, disclosures. The Tennessee disclosures, contracts, all of that, you know, we've got probably 80 different forms for Mm -hmm. different things. There's a form for everything. There's just no way. I mean, they change every year Mm -hmm. um, anyways. So there's just really no way they could teach them. And there's not a a specific class for licensure that teaches that. So that is why after you take your class, you need to interview different companies, interview with different companies if you don't Mm -hmm. already know where you're going and find out how they're training you. Because... Some companies have great training programs. Other, the training program is baptism by fire. Yeah. You know, and or like I see some of these big firms and know what their training programs are. And I'm going, man, that's it's not a one size fits all type thing either. I mean, we do so much training here at the Wilson Group. So, I mean, we have that our classes specifically designed to contracts and forms. Yeah. So when you come to work at the Wilson Group out the gate, Every week, you're meeting on contracts at form, in forms. And, and we went line by line. Line by line, yeah. yeah. With Rusty and Karen. Which I don't know was... what I would have done without that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, when I started, the contract was two pages. And the, I mean, it was just like, so people, for new people coming in, and when you look at your complete contract package, it's upwards of 24 to 30 pages long when you add in all the disclosures. And ours was still two pages. <laughs> the, 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 it's just... You know, the attorneys have gotten involved. Yeah. It's just a lot more paperwork. It's a lot more litigious. So there's a lot more to learn from just that that tactical right, piece. Right, right. Such a huge piece of the business. Um, I've always wondered that, why it wasn't a part, but it makes perfect yeah. sense. I'm with you, though. It is pretty impressive. I mean, it's it's interesting you do these two weeks and then 30 hours and then you're working. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're in a contractual situation. And, and you're right. Like, I was really amazed at how involved i mean i think the first contract i did was a builder's contract yeah. and you and i went line by line through it mm-hmm. and if i hadn't have had that kind of mentorship i would have been kind of lost at sea and i think for me and it was the same in the music industry you know i would manage an artist and that artist would have an attorney and so if we got a record deal a 60 page contract would come and it would be on the attorney to kind of make notes and then talk to the artist. But inevitably, the artist would come to me and say, hey, I'm confused about this clause. And I just couldn't always say, oh, well, let's just call your attorney who's then going to charge you hourly. I had to become very you know, familiar with reading a legal contract. And I felt like with real estate, if I didn't understand something, my clients were going to come ask me, hey, we were just looking through this. We're confused. And I couldn't always just call you know, my broker. So it was really, you're right. I mean, it's like you take these courses and then you're kind of thrust in it, but you also have to really have an understanding of what it is you're telling these clients because it's trust. And they want to feel like when you give them an answer that they trust that, okay, Mm -hmm. like you have our best interest and it's their biggest investment or or purchase. So it is, it's, it's a quick entry, but there's a long way, you know, to to achieve success. So another point on that, you think about who all is taking pre-licensing. So it's people who want to become residential agents, people who want to become commercial agents, people who just want to go into property management, you know, so it's a very generic course and then you get more specialized as you move forward. So a commercial person isn't going to want to go deep in all of our contracts and stuff and our residential agents in the commercial world, it's just two totally different 
things as well. One thing I find interesting is that you know the agents who are being trained and those who aren't. And in the type of market that we're in today, where you are in a multiple offer situation, when I'm looking at multiple offers, so I just had 13 come in, which I was grateful it was only 13. I didn't know how many was going to come in on this thing. And you can tell which agents have been trained well by the quality of how that offer is written. We'll get offers in and, you know, everything's misspelled. Mm -hmm. There's blanks not checked. I mean, critical pieces, like on the inspection, that agent is putting their client, their buyer in harm's way. I mean, when you're looking at all these different offers and you see a poorly written offer, it's like, man, if, if the offer is that's poorly written, yeah. this transaction is going to be a nightmare. And if that's the only offer you get is a poorly written offer, you're just like, Ugh. you yeah. know, it's going to be... <laughs> got to help know, them out a little you bit. You got to help them out and <laughs> usher them along. So I'm just grateful for all the brokers out there who are training their new agents how to, how to succeed. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot out there, I think, who aren't. Or maybe they're just not... Maybe the broker is offering these classes and these agents aren't showing up to get the education they need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I, you know, it's something I think about, and this could be just me, but the training is so important for me, but for another reason too, like, I mean, I have clients that are doctors, academics, lawyers, and I want to make sure that when I'm bringing them information, it's the right information. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I also know that a lot of my clients, they're reading the contracts mm-hmm. and, and they may understand it or not, but I know they're going to come back with questions and I want them to know that I'm qualified. I have their best interests and I'm going to help them get to the finish line and we're all going to feel good about it. And I think that gets lost in translation with, with agents who just come in thinking this is going to be a quick business mm-hmm. because you really are guiding someone. And, and Rusty said once, I thought it was so smart in this multiple offer market situation, when the dust settles, there could be a moment where your client's like, wait, we paid what for this house? Mm-hmm. You know, because sometimes it's like the thrill of the of the offer and everybody's like, well, we want it, we'll pay whatever. But it's like, I'm really cautious with my clients that they understand what we're doing, that they yeah. feel great about the offer we're making so that if we get it or not, four months from now, six months, we still feel good about it. Because mm-hmm. I think the worst scenario would be your agents coming back in four months saying, I can't mm-hmm. believe we paid this for this right. house. Mm-hmm. And we're really, and I would... The weight of that, I think, would really bother me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's, yeah, that that attention to detail, I think you don't get in real estate school because it's two weeks. And right. you're also getting so much information. Like, how do you process that when you're not in a real world situation? Meets yeah. um, and bounds. Meets and bounds. That's <laughs> <laughs> doing the survey. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm just like, what? <laughs> yeah, you just gave me anxiety when you said that. You shake that off. need to shake that off. <laughs> Well, and one thing that they don't teach you in real estate school either is that all this stuff you're learning, you're going to have specialists who will guide you in, in all that. So, so again, it's I don't have to use that. The meets and bounds <laughs> survey. I want a meets and bounds survey. Um, yeah. So, and we always have an attorney on speed dial, a CPA on speed dial, all that stuff because we are not. All that stuff comes into play. And I, I know all this because this weekend, nice Easter weekend, and you're like, working on your taxes. And I know this will drop after yes. this, but oh, I'm glad this yeah. weekend's over. I'm, glad oh, to, yeah. I'm looking forward for today being over. Yes. <laughs> Except for right now. Yeah. I'm enjoying yeah. this moment right now. So Edward, is there anything you would like to add or any pearls of wisdom you can drop to people who are either considering getting their license or maybe in their first year in the biz? I think if you're considering it, 
I would say do it. Because the beautiful thing is you can do it, you can jump in, and you can either find your way, figure out if you love it, or find maybe a path within real estate that could be property management, or maybe you want to go to commercial. I think I'm a big believer in kind of sometimes falling forward, not letting fear hold you back, taking chances. I will say being in real estate, the one side that I don't think enough newer agents think about is client management. I think so much of our business is understanding the technical side of it, being able to advise your clients on making you know, a strong offer or vice versa, but also how to manage your clients. Mm-hmm. I see a, a lot of agents who, when their clients panic, the agent panics. And I think so much of it mm-hmm. is validating your clients, but also realizing like we're not the one buying or selling the house. Yeah. And having a sense of calm, have, being able to listen to your clients and validate how they're feeling, but not feel like all of a sudden you're a wreck. Because right. I think we can be the stability in those moments as a professional agent to help kind of guide them. And I think that's one aspect that is not talked about in real estate school at all, but how mm-hmm. do you manage a client's expectations? How do you help sometimes bring them back down or how do you keep them positive in a market that's really challenging? And that's one of the aspects of it that I love, being mm-hmm. able to kind of add value there and show like, hey, like I had a client recently completely freak out, was exhausted by the market and I didn't take it personal. And yeah. I, and I and at first I could have been like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm doing a bad job, but I, you know, I let my client kind of, you know, share what they were feeling Mm -hmm. and I validated. I mean, we talked through it and we moved on, but I think client management is a huge part of it. I think navigating that is, uh, can be really tricky. And I'll add to that. And I've, I did it myself and so many new agents do it too. You do absorb the emotional energy of your client and you think you're in it with them and that is so dangerous because yeah. you are there to guide them and you don't need to get emotional with them. And now I call it the duck theory, you know, on top of the water, I'm gliding around mm-hmm. along smooth and b- below the water, you know, you're paddling like hell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't want to see them that you don't want your clients to see you paddle, but you cannot carry that stuff. You, you won't sleep no. well at night. You'll get stressed. And then you're going to take it out on your family and your friends. And they're going to be like, Oh my God, go get a real job. <laughs> yeah. so, so don't do a that. Real job. A real yeah, job. Yeah. 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 But imagine if a, when a doctor delivered news, they were emotional about yeah. it. Right. You know? Exactly. Separate. Put the wall separate. up. And I yeah. think sometimes when you're, when but you're, with an air of kindness yeah. and compassion yes, and empathy, mm-hmm. I think when your clients see you, kind of calm in that moment and, and offer stability to what can feel like a very unsettled, you know, if a client has moved here and they can't get a house and they're in an Airbnb or they're pushing money in a rental that they don't, you know, that's, they're vulnerable in that moment. And mm-hmm. I think really mm-hmm. understanding that component and realizing this isn't about you, it's about them and how can I support them? That's right. Mm-hmm. And that, that's kind of always at the forefront of uh, how I think about client management you know, for my clients. Mm-hmm. And I feel honored. I, I tell this to people all the time. I feel honored that someone trusts me sure. in this investment in their life. And, and I do not take that lightly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really, I go to bed, they could work with 16,000 other agents in mm-hmm. our market, right? So I feel honored to be a part of that journey and I want to serve them well, honestly and truthful. Good. Well, wow, we took in a lot of information, yeah, and I, I hope you listeners out there are enjoying it. I know I could keep talking, but um, I think 
they would turn us off after <laughs> much longer. So, hey guys, if you have any questions or topics that you would like Heather and I to discuss in one of our future podcasts, email us at podcast at wilsongrouperalestate.com. And Edward O'Day, I don't even know if we introduced you. Did we introduce Edward? <laughs> I think we did. Okay, we did. good. Yes. Thank, thank you, you, Edward. Well, thank you for having yeah. me. And yeah. Xander, thank you. So thank you. Xander's awesome. just sort of been curled up on the floor now. Um, <laughs> and Edward's curled up next to <laughs> Just kidding. All right, everyone have a great day. Thanks, Thanks Edward. Cheers. Bye. Bye. The Wilson Group Real Estate Services is one of Nashville's top premier boutique real estate firms. We specialize in working with buyers and sellers for housing, investment, and commercial needs, as well as offering a full-service property management division for your investments. Check out our website today at wilsongrouprealestate.com. Hey, if you're loving the show, go find that little follow button on your podcast app. This will ensure you won't miss a single episode. Until next time.